Hey everybody, what's up? It's your boy MJ. Today we have a special bonus episode. If you follow my feed on Instagram, you know it's not just about wine with me. I'm pretty passionate about my health, physical, mental, and spiritual. Recently, I did a collaboration with my new friends Liz and Emily of the Fine Line Podcast, which is all about balancing the decadent lifestyle of food and wine while maintaining your health and fitness. I hope you enjoy this episode and find some insights in our conversation that further enhance your own personal wine and wellness experience. Good morning. We are so excited for this co-podcast with the Black Wine Guy Experience, MJ. Um, we've been following your podcast and just loving it. And uh, we thought there was a lot of um, fun things that we could all talk about together. So we're super excited to do this with you. It seems super like we all, here. we're so excited to have you here. And, you know, I think part of this podcast experience has been realizing how many more people we'd like to be friends with and then making that happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I, I love that. That's why I'm like, okay, now I have a new friend. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just so nice to talk, you know, have access, uh, an excuse to talk to some people mm -hmm. that you maybe wouldn't otherwise. So yeah, yeah it's a little different yeah. than just calling someone and being like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know me want to talk on the phone no i know it's it's an easy way it's an easier way to get to know people right like you, like it's not like a cold call like you can send someone yeah. an email or a direct message on social media and next thing you know you're you and, and arrange to have a conversation versus like that cold call where you're like you, you got to get it in, in one minute and and and, and you know they're on the defensive so it, it, it's been really fun so i think that's one of the good things that's come out of the pandemic is people are connecting with people they probably would not have come across uh, but for what happened last year. And it's still going on, let's be honest. A hundred percent. Yeah. And we found like, I think because I was on the East Coast for so long and there is sort of a New York bubble, it's been really fun to see how much stuff is happening on the West Coast, especially with these women's advocacy groups and stuff like that, which maybe I would have heard about them eventually. I don't know. I was in such a different world there, but yeah. Um, it's just been cool. And I'm sure you found the same thing through your podcast, like the discoveries you've made that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise. So. Oh yeah. It's, it's very easy to, like I said, live in a bubble. Um, and that's not a bad thing. Um, if you're got goals, cause you, you're going to be focused on things that are going to move you towards your goal. Mm -hmm. um, but it was, it, it was like, there was a collective, ah, what do we do now? And it did allow some different perspective to come in. Totally. So MJ, what's, what's your deal? Who are you? How did you get where you are now? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> lots Start of from going infancy. around and joking yeah. and laughing. <laughs> Those are good I ways. I, <laughs> I wish I, uh, who am I? <clears throat> I'm the son <laughs> of a, a sharecropper. No, I kid. Um, <laughs> Cran no, I'm, just, I'm a kid from New Jersey. My father worked at the post office. You know, my mother stayed at home until I was like in the seventh grade and then my mother was a home healthy like you know my parents didn't go to college um uh but they were great parents you know different generation baby boomers you know um parents were married for 50 years you know um until my dad passed away um that generation you know so just a different generation hard working um discipline um and you know I really I'm just a kid from the Jersey Shore who grew up I would say you know 80s you know i was started high school in 83 so mtv is a big part of my life if people follow, if you've seen my feed a lot of music and it's very varied it's not i mean obviously i have a, a penchant for 90s hip-hop because that's like when i was 
in New York City going to clubs and everything, yeah. but like love all the MTV stuff, love, you know, love all types of music. So you'll see these eclectic wine and music pairings, you know, um, that that come together just coming from where I'm from, you know, the Jersey Shore. Mm-hmm. I live 50 miles from New York City, you know, so basically New York, suburb of New York City used to go in the city when you're a kid on the train. So you always have that influence. Um, and just the, the time period, like I said, started MTV, music videos, uh, hip hop, started hip hop, you know, um, that kind of shapes a lot of things I do. Was, I don't know about for you, but behind the music was such an important part of my like teen slash, I just, I, I've watched every single one many times and I love, I just love that whole genre of like the rock rockumentary, I suppose you could call it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I remember, I mean, I, music videos like told a story. I remember being yeah. like, you had to see the new music video and, totally. you know, get a, a whole other view on what the song was about. And it was so fun. Yeah. It was like the you social had, media. That was the thing. You had to, you know, coming up, you know, people think, I think music, I love music um, because it's, it's universal. It's, it really is universal. If you can, if you can let go of all your judgments, I mean, it's, it's totally universal. Like, like people, musicians love all types of music. They just, yeah. they just do even hip hop guys. Like I remember seeing this interview one time with run DMC and uh, uh, not, uh, not Rev run uh, Daryl McDaniel saying how Sarah McLaughlin saved his life. Like he was depressed. Like, and you're like, here's a guy who did walk this way. And you never think he's listening to Sarah McLaughlin, you know, or he talks about, same thing as me. We had our car only had AM radio. So I listened to WABC New York TV. So I know all like the carpenters and all that, that all that music, right? But with the videos, it was like you're right. Like you had to, like, it was MTV. Like, if you had cable, like you didn't want to not have cable because you like you you used to have the world premiere and you're waiting by your TV. Yeah, you had to be there at that time. World premiere video, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, so God, yeah. um that that stuff. Yeah, I totally get it. And you're right. And then I think the early videos did kind of suck. They didn't really tell the story. They just were throwing them together. But then it's kind of around thriller. thriller. And before that, then people started <laughs> telling stories. Thriller changed them. everything. Yeah. Thriller was a movie. It was a exactly. You know, yeah. 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 Don't get me started. But so love. does love. your love of music perspective on music impact why you love wine or what you think about wine? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's art. Yeah. Right. And when you get, and music is an art form I love. And then it just, I heard this, I forgot who I heard this from, but it stuck with me. I was on, I was on a Zoom tasting, go figure last year. And um, someone said they didn't like the word balance. It was harmony, right? Like a wine mm. should be harmonious. Right? I love that, yeah. And I was like, oh yeah. That's like when the tannin comes together, when all the pieces come together, it's like yeah. a symphony. it's all in harmony, right? What's good music about harmony? I mean, but for punk rock, which has its place, right? But, sure. <laughs> but, yeah. but but you know most music is about the harmony and the melody and, and everything coming together and so when you when you when you think about and and just like what music a good wine stands the test of time right? a great wine stands the test of time right like great song is a great song great totally. wine could be 56 years old and you're like wow i can't believe this is still showing uh you know it's still true to what it was right it's still true to the form it's still it's it's just it's a it's a singular piece of art so yeah I, I definitely see a lot of uh connection and corollary between music and wine and i think wine and music both bring you back to that time you know there's right. such a like strong memory a association. Yeah. yeah for sure i agree 
you, and there's punk rock and wine and that's important too well and exactly and there's yeah. that too because right that opens up doors for people right when you mm-hmm. talk about um, people like well i can make wine now i'm not going to throw my natural my my usual natural wine shape <laughs> at this point but you know what i mean i mean it, it means it, it just was like it opened people up to uh music and then a lot of a lot of those people um as they matured became real i mean real musicians they stopped making the noise and learned they're like, well, you know what? If we bring this in, this actually sounds better, you know? Um, Maybe we get a good producer and he smooths it out, right? It's kind of the yeah. same thing. And- like the Go-Go's. Do you see that documentary on the Go-Go's on no. Showtime? Oh, you no. need to see that. I will. People, I love yeah. them. Yeah. But there's a scene where they talk about, like, they were hardcore punk. And then all of a sudden, um, <clears throat> they had someone who's classically trained. And they were like, like, this is a pop song. But they're like, but it's still punk rock. And there's ways you can. And that's why I like about wine. You can be bold and expressive, but yet restrained and elegant at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a winemakers have their way of letting their style come through. Just like a, a good musician, they're, they're gonna have their, their signature style is gonna come through, so. Well, and you know, natural wine, if you think about the best wines in the world, they're actually almost all natural. It's just the most refined expression of natural, right? With, or Jean-Louis Chauve always says, uh, terroir comes from poor soil and a wealthy winemaker <laughs> you know because someone like you need the the means to extract the best expression of that terroir it's not that it can't be expressed otherwise but it it helps so but going back to your your background so grew up on jersey shore so where was the moment where you got into wine i know you worked at acker and that was really i mean that was kind of really it i mean i i i <clears throat> had met John Capon and we used to hang out when he was a music producer, uh, met oh, through like, cool. mutual friends. So we used to do the club thing. And, um, <clears throat> and then when I, I, gra- I graduated from law school and I, I knew I didn't want to be a lawyer. Um, so I was, I had worked for Reebok for about a year. Um, Cause I loved, I, I, I was an athlete in high school and for part of college, I ran track and field. So I was a scholarship athlete in, in college for a few years before I quit. Um, just because it was college, there's more fun stuff to do than <laughs> go to yeah. practice every day. Yeah. I, I unfortunately a... came to that realization when I was 15. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, it was literally, um, you know, I was living in Philadelphia and I wanted to move to New York and John was like, come work at Acker, you know, and you'll learn, you know, drink the finest wines of the world on a nightly basis. I really didn't know what that meant. But, um, you know, I think one of the first bottles that um, I had, it wasn't, and I had a lot of great bottles when I was there, that I really, bet. really formed a palate, really helped me get a, a palate because the ability to taste, you know, this is the 90s. So there was more of like these rare wines around back then, you know what I mean? So 100%, that's like, yeah. Like almost 30 years ago now. So, um, and it hadn't become a super huge thing yet. I mean, if you look at auction prices in 97, 98, 98, when I was working at Acker, 97, you know, they've, even for DRC, I mean, they've tripled or quadrupled. It's beyond, right? yeah. But it used to be, it, they were expensive, but you could save up for one, right? Yeah, Whereas now, for one and, forget and it. people, you didn't have to be like, you know, you could be a an attorney who makes a quarter million dollars a year and buy DRC and, and share it with people. Like now it's like, you gotta be balling. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> um, but the the bot. I'll tell you one of the first. It was a, it, one of the first when I really kind of got it was um, one night I, I I had 
got a bottle of Rabbit Ridge Barrel Cuvée Zinfandel, right? Because like a lot of people, um, I did not realize Zinfandel, you, know, you just knew white Zinfandel. If you're not a wine drinker in, in America, you, you know, you, you don't know that it's, it's actually a rosé of Zinfandel is what they should yeah, call it. Right. Um, with a little RS left in it. Um, yeah. But um, had the Rabbit Ridge Barrel Cuvée and, and went to dinner and had uh, like this seared duck breast with this Zinfandel. And I was like, oh, and that was like a $8 bottle of wine back then. It's still probably yeah. 10 bucks. I used to sell that wine at Skurnak. I remember Rabbit Ridge very well. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, and it was just delicious. And I was like, oh, I get it. I get it. I get I food that. and wine. Yeah. I, was like, I love this. I was like, I like eating. I like drinking. <laughs> <laughs> this works. This yeah. is fun. Yeah. I'll just do this every day. Thanks. Yeah. So you were on the floor at Acker. You must work with Cliff, many yeah. memories of Cliff and Jason, all those guys. And then what brought you to Santa Barbara? I know you were there for a while. And what were you doing? There? That was Cliff actually, because um, I worked with Cliff, and then Cliff um, took a a sabbatical from Acker, and um, he had went to UCSB. And this is uh, my friend Cliff Corn. He has a wine, No Limit Wines. He makes a beautiful Syrah out of the Central Coast right now. Um, very limited. Um, but uh, Cliff went to UCSB. Cliff, Cliff went back to Santa Barbara while he was on sabbatical. And is he, he's from Cali, maybe? I can't. Uh, no, he's from Queens. He is. Okay. Cool. Yeah, he's a New York kid. Got it. Yeah, he, he grew up with John. They went to, uh, I think it was collegiate. Wherever they went, they went to school. They've known each other since you know, they're little kids. Okay. Um, but Cliff went back to Santa Barbara and I, then I had left Acker. I was working over at, uh, the Sparrow Wine and Liquor Company in Hoboken. Totally. And, um, I was buying wine from Cliff stuff that, you know, that wasn't distributed. We were just, I was, he was just shipping cases, you know, it happens. People know it happens. Yeah. <laughs> well, especially then it could happen a lot. More yeah. Back then it was just now. like, yeah. I run into USA nobody wine imports, just send me totally. the cases to the store. Totally. You know, yeah. nobody, no, you know, no FedEx guy boxes of cases of wine come to wine stores. No problem. It's not, yeah. not going to be like, you know, totally. and so I was just sending me all this stuff that was like, you know, just really killer stuff that just, just doesn't make it to the East coast. I mean, it's like anything. Yeah. Like we, we, we know about all the great domains in France and I know you started, helped start Grand Cru, but like there's so much good wine doesn't even make it out of Burgundy, right? Like totally. really, really good stuff. Not mm -hmm. even going to make it out of Burgundy, right? I'm not going to say anything with California. So he invited me to a wine festival in 99, went out to the Central Coast Classic, which is in Avila Beach, which is that whole, and I had never been to California, oh 30 years God. old, never been to California Heaven. and you go to Santa Barbara. <laughs> yeah. And you're in the wine business. Yeah. Forgot so, I, so I ended up moving out there three months later Great. because, you know, he had me hooked up with a job and, you know, at the Montecito Wine Bistro. So, um, <clears throat> so we were working there together and that's, that's how I ended up there. It was, it was again, through Acker, through connections, through people. But once I went out, I mean, I went out there and, and literally I was like, Oh, it's just so nice. You know, it's heaven. It's, it's, yeah. yeah. My parents live in Montecito part of the year and Emily's been out there with me a couple of times and yeah, we had my bachelorette party there. Actually. Yeah, it's hard to leave every time you get on that plane to go home. Even when you live in Colorado, it's like, oh, it's heaven there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I just I just want to go back to the shitty kitty. <laughs> oh, the wildcat. <laughs> oh, wildcat. I love yeah. I the shitty kitty. I used to love the wildcat. And uh, there was a spot called Elsie's, which I don't know if Elsie is still, but Elsie's. I'm not sure. 
Oh, Elsie's was, oh, I'm trying to remember what street was Elsie's on. I mean, I oh. wouldn't have been at the Shitty Kitty if I wasn't at a bachelorette party. So <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm visiting my parents in Montecito, I'm not like going to the Wildcat. So no, you're yeah. going to like Lucky's and whatnot. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, um, how long have your parents lived there? Because the wine bistro is where Los Arroyos is where the wine bistro was. Okay. Got it. So because it, 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 it closed around 04, I believe. I it's been at least 20 years yeah. so yeah could have so it was probably it, it was gone yeah it was gone though it was, yeah. 20 years, it was gone yeah. um but yeah so yeah you're on coat you're doing the coast village road thing <laughs> so you're out there and then how long did you stay there um you know stayed for a, a full year came back for a few months um and then went back uh in uh, so 99, 2000, went back. I was back, I went home, I came back. I was out in the Hamptons for a minute um, during the fall and winter, which the fall in the Hamptons is the best Ooh. time because it's not- Fall's it's not amazing, winter, not so much. Yeah, yeah. winter was interesting, um, <laughs> but I was like a local because, you know, so what was it, it was, uh, Murphs when when Murph the cop still owned it so I, I know he sold it a few years ago but like credible dive bar but I just then I was like no you know because I had a little homesickness I was mm -hmm. the only one out there I did have a cousin out there um, but then I you know January two thousand and one I went back and that was it and then so you were in Santa Barbara for how long after that um, I you know. Did 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 a couple stints in L.A. like Santa Monica, oh, cool. but basically right I would say I was in I was in, I was in, I was in, I was in Santa Barbara for basically ten years. Okay. Um, and you know I spent spent some spent a lot of time in L.A., but always ended up coming back to Santa Barbara. It was just too beautiful. I mean, there was a lot of opportunity in L.A. I had great opportunity in L.A., but I, I just wasn't a point where I, I really had my head wrapped around. Like I loved, I enjoyed wine and food and wine, and eating good meals, but I hadn't wrapped my head around how to make a career in wine at that point. So. Mm -hmm um is that just, something that you have your head wrapped around now uh i would say yes i mean i have a, I have a little venn diagram of wine knowledge um uh humor communication skills and like i like i've i think i have found a sweet spot for myself um so yeah now i now i could see a path because um you know i but back then no i mean i got I'd offered some, I'd offered a really good job when I was out there. Um, but I didn't know, I didn't know what it meant. Like you gotta get, I was only in the wine business, like at that point for two years and like had come out of like, like you start a, start a place like Acker um, as your base. I mean, you could, you obviously it's a launching pad, but like for me, it was almost too good. Like, you know, I, I, I just kept stepping down. <laughs> <laughs> True. It's a great, great place to start. So did you, so what have you been doing up until the podcast started? Oh man. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I had my first real job for the past like eight years. Okay. Um, so I, I have a law degree, which I don't, I have never used to practice law, but I remember, and I knew I probably wasn't going to practice law when I, when I was going to law school, and even and I even I even uh, dropped out and went to the dean and had him hold my spot because I really wasn't feeling it. But um, the, it is, you know, I'm of the age where having a college degree was still useful. I don't know how useful it is nowadays, 
particularly if you have to pay for it, that's what yeah. I would say. If, if you 100%. are a parent, if you could pay for your kids to go to college, send them to college. If they're going to have student loans, I don't know anymore if that's really the game. Um, but, and I, and I still default on my student loans, but at the very least it wasn't, it, it was even like when I went to get a job, I go get a job and they'd be like, oh, he has a law degree. So it's like, he knows how to think, you know, it, it, it presents a certain way in the world. Oh, so wow. I had been working for a uh, nonprofit called Pathways of College, um, working with kids in cities like Gary, Indiana, New Haven, Connecticut, Newark, New Jersey. Um, uh, those are the three I worked in, but they've been in like Little Rock, Arkansas, you know, um, so really any city, really um, distressed school systems, underserved school systems. Um, and um, it was an after school program designed to help the kids get ready for college more on a mental level, not so much, we weren't remedial, we didn't do like SAT prep or anything like that, but mm -hmm. just, it's a big shock for a lot of kids who come from a very a homogenous community, whether it be black, Puerto Rican, Latino, didn't have to, you know, and you wanna step on a campus and it's very diverse. And, you know, you could be the smartest kid in your school, but because, and I've saw it, because your school system is not, there's not as much rigor because there's just not as much competition. So they have to teach to a certain level. They're trying to push things through. So kids aren't, kid might be the valedictorian and then and never got a, 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 a C or a D in their life and they go step on campus and it's a different level of rigor. And, and so they have to be prepared for that. So that's a lot of things we worked on with them. That's so super I cool. was doing that. I wasn't doing anything in wine per se, you know, um, but you know, it was just always in me. Like I couldn't go into uh, a wine store and not help someone. Cause you see, you know, and, and this is what people don't get. Most people, most people, you know, there's, there's, there's places that sell wine, which are liquor stores and there's very big ones and they can have names, you know, whatever buy right, you know, total, total, whatever. But they're the actual, amount of wine knowledgeable people in this industry is, is is pretty small still you know what i mean so you could just i could always just see someone looking for a bottle of wine i just and i just i just couldn't i have to help yeah. I, lo I love it so much like i like i just like like i have to help you want to so, turn them on to something that's gonna right like make right, their, right yeah and, and it's, yeah and so so i was always doing that and um and then a couple years ago I have a, I met a guy, a buddy of mine, who's a chef who had his own restaurant in Western Massachusetts, um, you know, near Amherst, that part, Western Mass, mm -hmm. and uh, amazing restaurant. I mean, just, if his restaurant was in a major city, it would be one of those where it'd be one of the it restaurants. It was very small, could only hold about 16 people inside, you know, wow. um, it'd, be, it'd be one of those like two-year waiting lists, you know, but because he, where he was, you know, um, he sold his wines like $10 over retail. Like he didn't, <laughs> he didn't do the regular markup because he wanted to put people on the food and wine. He yeah. wanted people to have, you know, so if he, had, if he had a bottle that, you know, would retail for 30, he would sell it for 40 or 45. He didn't want people to not, you know, and he could recommend it. And, you know, they wouldn't feel ripped off when they went down Amazing. the street, you know what I mean? Sure. Um, so, you know, you go there and a meal would be for two, like, you know, we're talking the whole, you know, three, four courses you know, and a bottle of wine and it's like 150 bucks. And if it was like in Manhattan, I'm like, dude, this is like a $500 dinner, right? Because Easy. I lived in yeah. Santa Barbara, I've worked in, you know. Yeah. Um, but he was the one who kind of put me on to the wine community on Instagram. Like I, I had a personal profile um, where I talked about fitness, where I talk about uh, mind, body, soul fitness, where I talk about transformation. Cause if you live in California, you're gonna take some seminars and you're gonna get inspired and you're gonna do that whole totally. thing. Um, 
but when he put me onto the wine one, I was like, but I, I, it was just interesting because there was this new, it was this world where I was like, where I hadn't been paying attention because I was doing other things. And, you know, the rise of the Psalm, you know, the rise of the Psalm had happened. And, and then I see everybody's like, uh, has like with set one and with set two. And I'm like, but I'm looking at their feed and I'm like, but do you really know about wine? So it started out as a goof. I would just take pictures of bottles in my hand, like that I was drinking. I'd leave tasting notes and no pictures of me. Cause I, I was like, I was like, it's absurd. People are liking stuff because it's social media. I'm not really getting a depth from this person. So, so I was like, wonder what happened if I just took pictures of bottles in my hand. <laughs> so that's kind of how that got started. And then like, it was, I got tired with that after about nine months. I was like, well, I'm not really doing anything with this. So I was like, let me just, so I didn't, I didn't post for like nine months wow. on that, on that account. And then I went to visit my in-laws. Was that account Black Wine Guy experience? Black Wine Guy. When I, got it, it. I, I went to go dark it. for like nine months. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, I still had my, 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 my government name account. Um, <clears throat> and MJ, MJ is my nickname, is my nickname my mother gave me. So my name is Marvin John. So okay. um, when she passed, she passed a couple of years, two years ago. Um, and thank you. But more with the podcast, like, my smile, me being goofy, um, the ability to speak publicly, that all comes from my mother. So, 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 and she would always call me MJ because my father's name was Marvin as well. So I was like, you know what? I like MJ and I'm going to represent for moms here. So that's, that's where mm -hmm. MJ comes from. That's really nice. sweet. Yeah. But, that's super cool. It's cool to hear But I didn't, that. I didn't, you know, so I didn't know what I was doing. So I shut it down. And then, and then I went to visit my in-laws for Thanksgiving. They're like, Hey, what happened to the black wine guy? <laughs> I was like, you know, I just, and, and like, so they, convinced me to post so i post like you know the day before thanksgiving like a couple years ago and like people were like where have you been dude we thought Aww. you were dead and i was like oh wow that's kind of cool <laughs> it's <laughs> nice to be missed like yeah it was nice to be missed you know um and but th so then i just kept going and i i'd been threatened to have a podcast for years <clears throat> my wife bought me a bunch of podcast equipment like Aww. like but that was like in 2014 or 2015 <laughs> <laughs> Well, you got there at the right moment. Yeah, no, I, exactly. happen, I did. Right? It, that, that, and that's the thing I'll say, like, you know, I think people, because I, I was, it was going to be about success because I've studied a lot of success. Living in California, worked with all those gurus you've seen in The Secret. <clears throat> I have a ton of books around me on success, secret to success and all stuff. Um, but there, there is this thing about timing that we all, like, it's like, and I think about wine, right? Like, you could... You could want the grapes to ripen, but they ripen when they ripen. Mm. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Things come to the surface when they're supposed to. Yeah. And if you do it a minute sooner, it's going to be forced <laughs> and then it's not going to work anyway because you're not feeling it. Right. I so, agree. Yeah. Holy. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That's awesome. I love hearing your story. Right. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't nice. sure because I knew Santa Barbara was in there. New Acker was in there. It's nice to hear the whole progression. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think you'll ever go back to California or are you? Oh, I can't <laughs> wait to go back to California. <laughs> when you retire. Yeah. You know, I mean, <clears throat> I would love to uh, have, I would love the show to be big enough to get picked up and be a TV show. So then I could be in California. Yeah. Fun. Right on. Well, yeah. we, we will hope for that also. For exactly. you. There's no place like it. I mean, I mean, in this country, America is America is the beautiful. It's beautiful, but like, 
Like when you go, you go like you you drive past the fields in Oxnard up up the one on one, and you see the strawberries, and they're the same Driscoll strawberries that are in the supermarket over here on the East Coast, you know, or you know, or you go past Dole in the field of lettuce, and that's just like like that's where like something like seventy percent of the food in America comes from, or more, right? It comes from California, so like you're so close to the source, you know, and then just it's just it's just like in Colorado, people don't get there is a different energy in places and there's just an energy in california that is just uh for 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 what for the type of energy i like it's unparalleled let's put it that way like you know i love new york it's got it's different it's got different energy but like it's felt like I could, when i went to california i thought i was home i just could exhale just could breathe you know yeah i do know yeah you definitely know <laughs> yeah or i i even feel that here i feel very at home like i i loved living in new york for 18 years but um it was never home to me ever. It was a place I lived, but it's like, now I'm home, you know? So yeah, I hear you. I feel like the, the Colorado energy are the people who were migrating West and then got here and were like, this is good, you know? <laughs> yeah, no. And it's funny. I, living in Santa Barbara, a lot of Santa Barbara people move to Colorado or Hawaii. <laughs> it's a very interesting phenomenon. People either go to Colorado or they get off the continental. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah, there are parallels for sure. I mean, California has the ocean. That's major, major, major. Uh, and, you know, I wanted to move to Santa Barbara and my husband was kind of like, I don't know if I want to raise kids in Southern California. And that also resonated with me. So, um, so yeah, I'm super glad we're here, but I could easily live there too. <laughs> no problem. I just get really jealous of the farmer's markets there. Like I know that we have a- And they're oh, all yeah, year long. They're all year long. Yeah. 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 That's what I think about. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm just hungry and thirsty. (laughs) So what else? What you, so you said that you used to, um, talk about fitness before what's your, what's your chosen path of fitness, mental and physical, um, strength, strength training these days. Mm-hmm. particularly um kettlebells yeah um so like i, I did you like, ever have a moment just backing up quickly did you ever have a moment where things got excessive i mean i know i did oh yeah before. yeah that's a good that's a good question and then yeah, so you had to kind of be like all right if i'm gonna have longevity i better good question yes check it <clears throat> yeah 2003 i uh it just got off the rails and um <clears throat> I, I just step. That's when I really like step back from wine, trying to sell it, anything. You know, I was working with some wine brokers. I was doing a lot of gigs, wine gigs. You know, I knew people. I was hooking up deals, taking percentages, and stuff like that. But it got out of control, and and so I actually, um, you know, those before and after pictures, right? You're like <laughs> before, after. So like, I was like. I was like, that's it. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta change some, some shit up in my life. And, um, I went to a, uh, martial arts dude. They were having this 10 week body transformation program. Um, and it was kickboxing and strength training. And, um, yeah, so I think, no, I know for sure. Not, I think 10 weeks, I lost, uh, 20 pounds and like 13% body fat. So I was like, 
kind of doughy. Oh man. Oh man. (laughs) You're so lucky. You know, I mean, but I mean, even before then, I mean, at one point, I mean, you know, wine and food is dangerous. I mean, like at one point, okay, I'm 5'10", like one point, like in 2000, I weighed like 200 pounds. Yeah. Like just like, like, it's like a ship going out to sea. You don't see it. And all of a sudden I'm like, what the hell happened? Right. Like maybe you should stop, uh, you know, eating sauterne and foie gras maybe yeah maybe, you know maybe you shouldn't stay out all night drinking and then go to jack in the box at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> totally maybe you know um so so i dro- i got down to like made some changes and i got down to like 175 or so 170 but then like when when i when i was just like just had it had enough so you know like i stopped drinking and I tell if anybody's serious about losing weight, you got to stop drinking because what it does, uh, alcohol, your liver helps burn fat, but if it's too busy burning alcohol, it's not going to burn fat. So it's not going to metabolize the fat. So, so, but like in, like in 10 weeks, I like, yeah, like it is, it is now I was 34, 35. Now it is, it is easier for men, but like, still like, I mean, like I got back hooked on fitness because like I said, I was, I'd ran track in high school and a little bit in college. And, and, and I, uh, I had seen the Billy Blanks Tybo commercial late night in the night, late nineties. And I was like, and I always wanted to take martial arts. So I started studying martial arts and I became an instructor there. Yeah. And it was like the first time, like when I'm from the generation of runners who we just ran, we didn't do lift. We didn't even barely stretch. You exactly. Know? Yeah. We didn't lift weights. There was no train. It was no stretch. It was like, it was all cardio. Just running. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I really, I liked lifting weights and i was using this was resistance bands before they're popular now it's 85 pounds of resistance, but like and it was resistance bands so i loved lifting weights so i still love and 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 something that sticks with me is my 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 sensei you know he told me he's like you know just keep throwing kicks and punches you know it's worked for me in life like just keep throwing kicks and punches right so in between my kettlebell sets i'm always just shadow boxing and and I want to get a bag and everything, but like, I'm just like, I fell into kettlebells like five, six years ago. And in another life, I was also a productivity trainer during those periods, right? So like, I'm like efficient, right? Kettlebells is really Very the most efficient. efficient exercise. You get cardio mm-hmm. and strength training. Yep. Super efficient. Like yep. I, I could do kettlebells. Like a couple years ago, I did kettlebells. I hadn't run, I hadn't run at all. And I was able to go run like a 23 minute 5k, like just from, from my swings. Cause it gave me enough cardio. Right. So, wow. so I just love, and also just, I think metaphorically strong mind, body, and spirit, like getting stronger and lifting weights has just meant a lot for me. Cause it's something I never did. I was always a skinny kid, you know? So it was just nice to, uh, you know, move weight. So, yeah. It, it really does have such a huge positive impact on your mental state to feel physically strong, you know, I think. Agreed, 100%. And like, it just clears my head too. So that's, I mean, it really does give you mental clarity, but then also you feel better. But I'm with you, like I did all this cardio for so long and like, you know, hour, hour and a half and like, I was fit but I was nowhere near 
how fit I was when I started to do strength training. It just changed everything. And then I didn't have to do all this cardio. I still do some cardio, but it's like, it toned me and it made me stronger and it made me, it made my cardio better. So, and I think a lot of women are scared of it because they think they're going to get big, but I mean, unless you're doing like huge amounts of weight, it's definitely like revel- revelatory, In fact, I it's think. more important for women to do strength training because of osteoporosis. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, everyone, especially, but to your point, I used to tell women in my, in my class, they would like not want to, they would, they would come for the kickbox and it was cardio, but they wouldn't want to do the bands. Yeah. And I said, let me tell you something. As far as I know with science, you either have muscle or fat on your body. Totally. And the muscle There's burns no more. Mysterious uh <laughs> body composition called thin it doesn't exist, right so, so they want to be thin right like but like you like so many people are skinny fat even right like yep. and you're and you're right like and and to your point you're not even going to get big unless you lift heavy and yeah. take anabolic steroids if you're a woman like you're like right like that's how you get big or or you you know or but but those i mean i love that's not my t- style of woman, but like if a woman wants to go to CrossFit and get jacked, that's fine. That's I'm totally. happy for her. But yeah. that takes a lot of work to do naturally for a woman. That's like that's like years and years, you know. And there's some genetics built into it, and like hyper um, acute eating and all that stuff. But if you just go and you do some bands or some weights, you know. Um, you're not going to get big. You're going to be toned. Like everybody wants the, the, the toned arm, but they don't yeah. want to lift weights. It doesn't, yeah. it's not going to get that from cardio. <laughs> you're right. You're totally right. And I think that's what, I think I always thought cardio would get me there. And then I realized, I mean, cardio is great and it's important, but it's only <laughs> half the equation. <laughs> I don't know. I think that in Colorado, we get to do a little less cardio because it counts for more. Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> you're, I mean, at altitude, right? I yeah. mean, so I, I mean, there's that too, right? Like you, I think, yeah, I mean, I, like you, I just, just haven't run, you know, and I was, I was running distance and I'm more of a sprinter, but I will not be labeled. So I was, I was going to become a distance runner, <laughs> but you do, you just, you just like, just like the pounding on your body. Oh, just, it, God, it's, just, it's brutal. Um, it's brutal. It's yeah. brutal. You know, so. I know I'm still trying to get my husband to get, he just runs and runs. He's like Forrest Gump. He just runs and runs and runs and runs. And then he's like, Oh, my knees, my back. And it's just like, well, I, I don't know what to say. Go do some yoga. I wish I could get into swimming. I've tried. Yeah. yeah. I mean, swimming, cause I surf like the swimming, I sh- it should, I should do it in between and I don't, but it is, um, I, like I took triathlon training in college for credit. What? By the way, <laughs> hysterical. <laughs> um, but and I did a lot of swimming then, but even then when I was, it's just, it's kind of boring. Maybe now if you had earbuds in, you know, that Maybe. They have I mean, like... yeah, the pool's tough. I used to have to um, go in the pool a lot. Cause I, I said, I was, I was, should have been sprinting, but I was running distance. So I would get stress fractures. Like once I would get over like 50, 60 miles a week, oh, it's hard to be a distance yeah. run. If you can't run that far, um, that was miles. Um, and it was okay then. Cause I have like a wet vest or a aqua jogger. But it was more I was just staying in shape. But like when you like to go in the pool, swimming's great. It's very therapeutic, but it, it it can be tedious and boring and 
you know. And if it's cold out and you have to go get in a pool and like, I don't know, just <laughs> there's mentally. all that. Yeah. So that's why I just like, it's hard I, I want something I could do <clears throat> regularly. I think the main thing is consistency though. I think that's where people fall down, right? Like I hate seeing people just walk. You don't need to yeah. go to the high school stadium and run stairs if you haven't worked out in two years or three years, or if you're excessively overweight, because you're going to do maybe five, you're lucky, you're going to be so out of breath, and then you're going to be sore for four days, and then you're going to quit. Versus if you just went and walked, walk something you could do, go walk. What can you do? Well, you could walk a half a mile, just walk two laps, come back yeah. tomorrow, walk two laps, right? And then Walking when that is becomes, so good for you. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, build upon it right it's like like my like i like i said i do kettlebells but the way i was training kettlebells you should never lift weights to failure because you're teaching your muscles how to fail you always want to have something left over so my workout is probably like 67 so i'm always refreshed right but yet i experience greater gains because i master the weight and then i'm able to do things and with kettlebells they're they don't they're not standard like you know we have five and two and a half like they jump up like 12 to 20 pounds, even though they're in kilograms. So like you have to master a weight. Like you might, you might be doing 35 pounds or something. And then the next weight is 47. And wow. then you still have to do your same amount of reps. So you have to master the form, makes you master form and, 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 and be consistent. That's the, that's the main thing. I've like, I said, I taught productivity. Productivity is about being consistent. It's finding the activities that you want, to have in your life, make them habits and stay consistent at them. Yeah. That's really the secret to success, which people hate because then success is like, it's not, it's not sexy. It's kind of boring. <laughs> it's actually a long road, right? And it's like, yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, you'll, I think you'll appreciate this ha having lived in California, but also just getting outside is important in the sunshine, in the fresh air, like, like, you know, to your point about walking, it doesn't matter how hardcore the thing you're doing is just get outside in the fresh air and the sunshine. And during this whole COVID time, I found it kind of, um, sad and a real comment on our health system that, I mean, yes, wear a mask, wash your hands, all those things, super important. They never once talked about eating well. They never once talked about get outside in the sunshine. The sunshine has so many nutrients for you, not the least of which is vitamin D and how important that is for your health. And, and I think it's just something that hasn't been measured, but um, anyway, that's my little tangent. <laughs> <laughs> but get outside, get outside, go on a walk. It doesn't have to be a big thing. That's th the best part about living in the city is all the walking you do just by accident. I mean, you know. I think, I mean, for me, one of the hardest physical parts of the pandemic has been not moving all the time. You know, it's like, yeah. even though I was going for walks when, you know, as soon as it was safe for me to start working out again, I did, but it was like, I was used to moving all day constantly. Well, being in a restaurant, mm -hmm. especially. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then it's like, you're like, okay, well, I walked five miles today, but I spent the other, you know, 23 hours, like completely sedentary. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. That's very true. It's so yeah. true. Yeah. And both of you make good points. Like, like with this, that literally, because I like, I remember one year, um, one winter, I had a goal of just sitting outside every day for 10 minutes. Perfect. Just, just I'm so important. Like to just get some sunlight, yep. get some sunlight to get, to get acclimated. I was like, literally I would go, I was like, I'd go sit on my front porch 
at least for 10 minutes. Like that was a goal because I was like, you can't be cooped up in the house. And this was a couple of years ago. I, yeah. just, I, just, I just know like I'm someone like a lot of people like um, everything doesn't have to be a disease. Like, are you sad? Like, I mean, yeah, but the seasons do affect us because sure. they undulate. Like we're going to go as the seasons go. Right. So it's a little darker. And then to your point, Emily, oh my God. So up into, I used to travel like at least twice a month for work. I was always, I was visiting schools. Like I, I put on like the COVID-10 just from just being sedentary. Like I'm sure this would, like my workout hasn't changed. Probably drank a little bit more wine, but more importantly, what really has happened is I'm just, I'm not, you know, I'm not moving the way I used to move. You know, working kids, school with kids, you're moving all day or just even traveling, right? Even traveling, I ate different, right? Like, like I would eat twice a day. Now it's easy to eat three times a day, you know? Yes. Um, and it just, it, it's, and I'm like, I'm headed out to California. Like when I come back from California, I gotta make some changes. I have to, I have to create some new habits and some new routines just to get back what is gone. And it's not going to come back. Cause I, I don't work for that, that, that company anymore. <laughs> yeah. So that's not going to come back. So I'm going to have to find other ways to stay active, you know, to make up for it. Maybe I need even, even a standing desk. That's the thing. When you work at a restaurant, just standing, like when you stand for eight hours a day, you're burning calories. Yep. And same with sales. Like I went from being out, seeing customers to sitting and selling at a desk all day and I can't stand it. I mean, this must be something that everyone who's working from home is experiencing. I would guess, unless you were someone who just was in a desk to start with, and then you're just at a desk but, at home. But even which, so, if you go to an office, you're still true. like, good you know, point. going there, you're moving around the building. Yeah. No, standing desk is a good call. I. It's funny though, like I have trouble sitting for long periods of time, but then when I stand at a desk, I also find that difficult. Whereas I could stand in a tasting appointment for hours and not even think <laughs> twice, you know? So it's, it's funny. I don't know what it is, but I, again, it's probably just building up stamina for standing at a desk, you know? Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. I think that's my thing. Like the zooms were killing me early mm -hmm. on um, to have to sit still. Oh, like, yeah. cause I'm from the East coast, you know, like, we like to move. We talk yep. with our hands, like, like, and I can't, you can't do this on a zoom. I mean, you can, but like, it's crazy. Right. I, I like it. I think it's working, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, like, like, and, and especially if it's not something you're interested in, which was, which was waning for me with my job. So it's like, Oh my God, like really like this could be, this could have been 15 minutes and now we're at 90 minutes in, you know, cause you're dealing with when you, when you, I think what happened to a lot of people, these traditional businesses um, do not have, did not have come into the digital world. So meetings were longer than they needed to be on Zoom. People are sitting oh, too man. long, you know. Um, it's it's just, what I've said, at the end of the day, like, I think you, you, you touched on this. We all have to find ways to compensate for what is missing in our lives now, uh, particularly in the area of our physical health. Um, but it's 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 been very interesting. Like I, like I said, like I said, I can if I love something, I can stand there for hours. If 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 I'm not interested or I'm mildly interested or, uh, you know, I'm like, let's it's go. excruciating. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. yeah. Wrap it up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, on that note, is there anything you want to ask us? Like, did we kind of cover everything? Yeah, I mean, I I think just I would like. So I'm sure people would like to know. So the fine line podcast like what what prompted you to you two to, to create this 
Well, I listen to a lot of podcasts and um, I love, cause I'm not a fast reader. Emily's a very fast reader and a dedicated reader. I feel kind of almost guilty slash, I don't really have a lot of time to sit down and read between working kids, all the things. And I'm not good at sitting still. So I love to read when I find something good, but it takes me a long time. So I listen to things and I've been able to download so much info on health, all the things I'm kind of obsessed about, mainly health. And so I was like, I want to kind of somehow share this stuff that I'm learning with other people. And I said, to, and of course I had downtime because of the pandemic. This would have never happened otherwise. There's no question. Yeah. So I said to Emily, let's start a podcast and we can interview like astrologers and wine people and data. And she's like, well, I think it needs a focus. <laughs> and thank God she said that because, you know, it, it would have been a podcast for everyone and a podcast for no one, you know, if it didn't have the focus. So she was like, how about how these people find balance between the hedonistic side of our, our business, or even, you know, anyone who loves to live life is going to love food and wine whether they're in the health industry or whatever. So she really tightened it up. And and it's something that, you know, I think we both personally relate to. Um, I, you know, felt like I had things pretty much in control and felt really healthy. And then I opened a restaurant and was like, this is a nightmare. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, whoa. Yeah. Um, you know, it just is, it, I just think that um, we can help prepare people entering this industry better um, for, for thinking about mental and physical health. And it's such a new era. Like, you know, you were in the business when I was in the late nineties, early two thousands, there was one speed and that was full in. Yeah. It was, listen, that, I mean, about hedonism like that, right. Like, it was no, you know, I don't know if you listened to my interview with, uh, Karen, uh, off Bembry. She, uh, Work for Jorge Ordonez and she yeah. has, La Luz. I, I know her husband really well. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. And she yeah. was saying like, I was out till three o'clock in the morning every night Always. because, 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 and she said, if you're not there for the drink with the beverage director, you might not get the order. Yes. That was the thing. And I dated a chef. I used to say I was out eight nights a week. Like I remember staying home one night and I was like, I stayed home tonight. And he was like, good job, honey. Like, <laughs> I mean, like that was such a feat, you know? But I always, the funny thing is that even during that time, I always went to Bikram yoga like four times a week at six o'clock when everyone went to happy hour, I'm like, I'll catch you at eight o'clock. I went to Bikram yoga, I sweated it out. So I always needed that even with my excess, like the only way I could, it was like detox to retox basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I luckily always had that thing, even though it was, there were very excessive years in there, like very. Yeah. So Yeah. And I'm just, I like doing this because I, my dream is just to ask people questions all the time. You know? <laughs> well, you know what? You're living the dream. You're living exactly. The dream. I did. I did once have a coworker tell me that the way I ask questions is really intimidating and it kind of seems like I know the answer and I'm testing people. And I was like, no, why would I ask questions? I know the answer to. Right. <laughs> right. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And I think for me to, to like, you like, I didn't keep that like you like it's so great you kept that Bikram thing in life I didn't keep it so like I had to just stop and rediscover it and I remember when I first got back and she was like okay this is who I am right and also it's better to go out to the bar in shape than fat so yeah, yeah. 
it is hard though. Like the year, you know, I've done a ton of cleanses and stuff like that all along. And with my old business partner, Elise, and we'd always like, you'd have that moment at the end of the cleanse where you push through the hard part and you're like, I kind of don't want to go back. So yeah. Like, yeah. You know, I don't want to have that first drink. Cause then I'm at the 10th drink, but, and that you just feel so good, you know, and, and you almost need to, like, we would have had to leave if we were going to really like pursue that. Um, and I think that's the other thing that's been nice about the podcast is I wanted to pursue the health part, but I didn't want to leave the wine business. So this has allowed kind of a conjunction of those two things. And it's a great time for everybody to be talking about mental health and physical health. We need that more in our business. I mean, I think the next step is how do we find resources for people who maybe need to a little help, you know, and, you know, we're not that, but um, <laughs> maybe somewhere that can, yeah, we can, maybe this sparks a conversation. I mean, I agree with you. I think that that's the thing is like, it's such a wonderful business, but it's so easy to go off the rails yeah. and, and, uh, and I, you just see it. I mean, like, I remember you see a picture at this one sales rep <clears throat> um, and he showed us a picture like he was huge when he was, and like he showed us a picture of when he was like a young man. He was like a surfer, like didn't look like the same guy, but that would, you could just see that was like what 25 years of decadent eating and drinking wine had did oh, to him. Right. You know, he's he, you know, he's breathing, walking from his car to the store to show me wines, and he was like the quintessential California surfer dude when he was younger. You know, yeah. and it's um, sad to see that. You know, right. Right. Yeah. And I think we are at a place where there's more people cognizant of it, you know, um, of, of uh, balancing the scales, right, uh, of their life, you know, so, so you can have it all and you don't have to uh, be out there. Because like you said, you do that cleanse and like, I remember the first time I did the master cleanse, like day two is just brutal. By day four, you're like, I'm never eating again. I'm never like, eating again, yes. Like you're like, I don't need to eat. Yes. I feel incredible. <laughs> I've done the master cleanse a ton and yeah, it's, I, I can't ever do that now. Like now. Yeah, I, I could never, to, that's one I would never do again, but like too, that was, that but, was my go-to back in the yep, day. Yep. You know? And then juice cleanses. And yep, then now I, do, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we're going to have to do something in first cause we just, we're just <laughs> totally. now starting to get there. But, but I, I, I love what, I love the theme of the podcast. I'm grateful that you want to talk to me. You've had incredible guests, you know? Um, so I, I feel, I feel like I'm in a very esteemed uh, um, group of colleagues who, who've, who've been on thus far. Um, and it is near to my heart. I mean, I think the black wine guy really started taking off when I decided to, I'm like, I'm gonna do a video. I'm, I'm working out. I'm gonna do a video about my kettlebells, you know, or I'm gonna, you know, um, I'm not, I'm not religious, but my mother was, and I read, you know, and so I think the Bible's got lots of good passages and Proverbs. And so I might quote a scripture and talk about how I think it means practically nothing to do with going to heaven or hell, just like, you yeah. know, um, you know, you, you reap what you sow. So if you're out drinking meat every night, you know what you're going to reap, right? Like, you know, like, yeah, that's just, that's a cause and effect statement, you know, or, or I like Emerson, I might quote. So it was just, I was like, I like transformation, I like fitness, I like wine. And I think it's allowed me, we're in a time where you can talk about things and, and people don't look at you all cross-eyed, you know what I mean? Totally. And, you know, young sums now they work out, they're fit. It's a different Right, right, world. right. They're all, they're all, they're all super fit. I'm like, y'all couldn't yeah. hang, man. No, totally. Well, they grew up I in a different like, time. I, yeah. I appreciate seeing it, but I'm like, yeah. shit, when I was 28, yeah, totally. you couldn't hang. <laughs> totally. 
Yeah. I was up until four the next afternoon. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, this has been super fun. I'm it kidding. has been. And by the way, we feel the same way about what you're doing. And we were thrilled that you were psyched to talk to us. So it, it totally goes both ways. No, thank so we'll you. We'll have so to much. do this again for sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Great. And to all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Yes. Please do rate, review, subscribe, and uh, we'll see you soon. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> thank you so much, MJ. This that was, was really great. Super fun. fun.